The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 56, Severed Dreams, in which everything hits the fan. Welcome back to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast, where we talk about the enduring cultural legacy of Babylon 5, as I said. Uh, I am Chris Tatro, and with me is the only human captain ever to survive a battle with the Mimbari <laughs> fleet. He is my co-host. You are my listener. John Cassie. Hello, John. Hello, sir. How are you? I am doing very well today. Yeah, the so, only one. Just me. Just you. you That's know? it. Yeah. Yeah, didn't, you know, didn't little known I'm, fact. I'm behind you. Yeah, the listeners are in front of you. Yeah, if they uh, if they if value, they value their, their lives, <laughs> their iPods or whatever, they they should uh, download another podcast. Right, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. In a um, you know, in a in a in a season filled with um, a lot of badassery. Mm. Oh yeah, this one's a stem winder. Absolutely. Have to imagine this is one that uh, that JMS really really enjoyed writing. Oh right, I mean you can yeah. you can you can just see him cackling at the keyboard as he uh, as he pounds this one out. You know, th- there's th- yeah, it's got to be fun to write all of that kind of space action. Yeah, right. Well, and all the dialogue, all sure. the, the all the the, the great. You know, I would say one-liners, but it's never a one-liner with JMS, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, all those, these those, great four-liners, those, right? Yeah the, yeah, the the great, you know, sort of the the stuff that he's he's thought of like three months ago. He's like, oh, I'm going to write that down in my notebook, and I'm going to I'm going to you know, Delenn's going to say that at exactly, some point, exactly. Know? Yeah, it's it's because this is really you know this is the um, you know we're halfway through the season ish, but this is the the, the denouement of a of a three episode long arc. Right. Um, so everything, you know, it's 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 the you know battle of the Pelennor Fields. It's you know it's the it's the big. This is where everything comes. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. It's the assault on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, yeah. Pelennor Fields is a good, you know, is a good example. You know, kind of what you're talking about, right? We're yeah. We've we've arrived at something that when we're through it we're going to be permanently changed. Oh, definitely. Right. And in some respects, that's what the next episode, you know, is about, sort of reflecting on what does it mean to have come through such a thing? You know, and we'll get right. to that when we get to the next, right. you know, the next episode. But I, I think I think your point that this is the, you know, the part three of essentially a, you know, a three-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, or indeed the, thir- the third part of a four-parter, if you, if you look at the next week's episode as as uh, being sort of fundamental mm. to the story integrity of the previous three. Right. Um, you know, this is this is an extraordinary piece of work uh, for which it got a Hugo. Oh, did it? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Best dramatic yeah. presentation and uh, kind of deserved. richly deserved. You know, yeah. again, you know, th- despite the fact that we that we come down on this program when it's kind of off mythology... You know, because some of its on mythology, uh, some of its off mythology mm-hmm. content is mm-hmm. decent, but often it's it's uh, 
it isn't where it needs to be, at least from my perspective. It's okay. Push yeah. through. Because when yep. you get these canonical episodes or these these kind of on narrative episodes, they're, right. they're just you know, they're just the very best of what this show and and what sci fi TV can deliver. Right, right. And I think I think a lot of people who who haven't who who didn't dedicate themselves to the show as as thoroughly as as we and as our listeners probably you know did didn't watch the whole thing through maybe just caught an episode here and there especially folks who maybe just caught a couple of episodes early on in the show right um you know have this have a very different view of what babylon 5 is um, and and not a very generous view of it right yeah, they've. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta really, you gotta get in it and and be in it for the for the long term. You know, look at the whole show from the thirty thousand foot view. Yeah, yeah, which is ultimately why we continue to introduce our program by saying the ongoing cultural legacy. Right, right, because one of the things that this show imparts to television is. All of this stuff, which Babylon 5 sort of did for the first time or did in any kind of sustained way, which is now just, quote, television. Right. right? The, the, the uh, sort of continuous narrative, the, the less episodic, right. uh, you know, one and done nature, you know, everything up till, well, not everything, but, but a lot of things up till this point really were you know, okay, whatever happens is going to be completely resolved within the next 42 minutes, and then, you know, next week everything resets. Right. Yeah, nothing uh, Nothing resets. No, no. Right. It's, it is a continuous yeah. story. Yeah, nothing is without consequence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's fun about watching a show like this is to get these moments that refer back to content from 8, 10, 12 episodes ago, two seasons ago, yes. right? Um, yeah. And this is the only yeah. show doing it. Yeah, at the time, and, and it, it, it paved the way. I mean, this is our whole thesis statement. It transformed most, much of, of genre television and maybe even non-genre, maybe even sort of, you know, if you look at things like I, I haven't watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I've I've been told by people who really like it that yeah, it it it's telling a larger story. It's not just an a one and done sitcom kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. You so even when you get outside of sci-fi or, or fantasy television, you know, um, The Good Place, uh, you know, that's that's not a one and done show. That you know that has season long arcs, right? Um, you know. It's just it. It would be. I, I don't think audiences today would would be comfortable with something that's. Oh, here's my. Well, I guess. I guess there's still a lot of a lot of stuff out there that is like that. I just don't watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's sort of just a one and done and a throwaway. And there's no there's no carryover. There's no larger story. There's no character development arcs going on. Well, I mean, I I, th- I think the 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 legacy of a program like Babylon 5 can be, in genre, mm-hmm. can be most dramatically seen in, frankly, Star Trek Discovery. 
which has clearly planted seeds a la signs and portents Mm -hmm. for things it's going to do going down the road. Um, It it won't surprise me at all if virtually everything in that season, season two, the one that's coming, Mm -hmm. uh, is going to reference season one in exactly the way that Babylon 5 season two references season one and so forth. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of evidence that that's the way that they're going. You know, the very, very tightness of the story that episode builds from episode builds from episode in a way that mm-hmm. just frankly is not the way that Trek is normally normally told stories. Even no, in DS9, I mean, it wasn't that way. No, I mean, it, towards <clears throat> the later seasons, it was you more know, with, with, the, with the war. It was more like that. But yeah, Voyager, Enterprise. No, they didn't really. Yeah, less. Know, they, 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 Voyager, yeah, not less. at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Enterprise did it for one season, and that season was reasonably effective. Yeah. You know, but but sadly, mm-hmm. no one was watching Enterprise by that point. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when they got to season three. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, you know, we've we've said all this before, but I think that one of the most direct descendants from uh, or or beneficiaries of the changes in how these shows were made was Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's definitely you know that's a that's something that you you don't have unless you've had some kind of forerunner establishing that you can do a four year long story, a five year long story, uh, and and make everything really connected, and very few things are are one off inconsequential episodes. Right, right. So, so, what what did you find in this particular telling mm. that was? You know what? What resonated for you in this in this episode? For me, a lot of what I really liked was the leadership shown by the you know, the command. I guess we, we if we say the command crew at this point, we're including Delenn and Jakar. Yeah, right. In that in that, in that grouping. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody on the show who's not Londo. Uh, right, right, right. So yeah, you know, we get this this very difficult decision that that Sheridan is pushed into and I th- I, I think that Bruce Boxleitner did a fantastic job uh, fantastic acting job in this episode yeah you know you can when it's when he when he knows that the earth the pursuing earth cruisers are coming and he says you know how long do we have and they say six hours and there's there's just a shot that's just on him and he's sort of looking down and considering yep you know do I cross this Rubicon? Yep. Do I do this this thing? And you can really see you can see the gears turning. You can see that this is not an easy decision for him. Yeah. And uh, uh, but he he steps up. He does what he know what he's known all along. He has to do. Right. And then uh, he enacts that once we get into the actual big fight scene, big battle scene at the end. Yep. Um, you know he's. He's leading the he's he's the the general not commanding from back in the tent at the back lines. He's right. he's right in there. You've got Ivanova, you know, jumping into a star fury because hey, you know, we're asking everybody else to go out there and, and put it on the line. You know, I've got to be there with them. Yep. Um, you've got Garibaldi, you know, facing off against Marines that are that are boarding the ship. 
you yep. know, throwing his throwing his Narn cannon fodder at them first. But you know, he's he's there. He could have he could have been you know in his security office somewhere safely. Yeah, they the way that these characters are written now is to strongly accentuate their heroic virtues. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, as we come to this kind of midpoint in the show, this is why you loved these characters all along. Right. Right. Bruce Boxleitner's Sheridan is decisive without being impulsive. Here he is. Yeah. You know, and this is this is a far cry from a few episodes ago when when there was that, uh, you know, shipping guild rally right, right. you know yeah. it's a, he's he's taking a very measured approach here right this is the this is the sheridan we want yes not sometimes the sheridan we get mm-hmm. right yeah. um the um uh the the capable strategist the mm-hmm. um, the the leader with enough political chops to give his military, his obvious military chops, the right perspective or framework. Yes. Okay. Yeah. With Ivanova, you get the, uh, you know, the, the, the dutiful master of horse. Yes. Right. You know, uh, I, because she's the first one who says fight. Yes. Right? Of course it's yeah. going to be her. Of course. First. Yeah. And of course yeah. it's going to be her fight. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, we've, been, we, we've, been, we've been led to that trough. Of course we're going to drink. Right? Yes. You know. Yeah. And of course what she wants to do is to be close to, you know, her... Uh, comrades, yeah, her comrades. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I think, Mother Russia, I think there's definitely right, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some cultural uh, uh, influence in her uh, in her decisions and her actions here. Yeah, the character. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, ah. look, I mean, Sh- Sheridan definitely is written like an American, and yeah. you know, Ivanova, when they you know when they turn that up, is definitely written mm-hmm. as though she's coming from a more collectivist, tolerant culture. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what do we want from from Michael Garibaldi is exactly what we got. We want, you know, bo- bo- bold and, you know, bold and courageous, you know. Yep. Take a bullet for the team. I'll take two. Yep. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And and, and Franklin, know, I mean, we don't get to see him, but, you know, the, the implication is that he's, you know, bandaging people left, yeah. right. And up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, it's hard. He, it's hard to show an action scene with the doctor. Yeah. Well, it's hard to show an action scene with a doctor when you've when you've instructed him to go clean out your med bay. Right. Right. We sent him off screen. Once again, Max proves that he is no fan of Stephen Franklin. Max, we've moved past this. Okay. Okay, we we're moving. Talk, okay. We won't badmouth Doctor Franklin anymore. Sorry, Max. Jeez Louise, sensitive cat. That appears to have worked. I think so. Yeah. Um, I wonder about 
Um, I wonder about Delenn mm-hmm. and Jakar. Okay, you know, you sort of have, you know, kind of riffed on them as being essentially like members of the command staff now, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything from the way that they were written that uh, that sort of puts them in the same kind of framework or, you know, the same kind of context as as the, you know, the four humans? Now, obviously, this is the sort of human, human uh, versus human part of this story. Right. Right. You know, we don't actually get to the, you know, Babylon 5 as, you know, the International Space Station until the end of the episode. Right. Right. Well, I mean, they they definitely they're definitely putting themselves and their people on the line for Earth. Yes. Um, So that's one of the reasons that I lumped them in here is that. You know, Jakar is is perfectly willing to send his people into danger. Yes. Uh, when that's not something that I mean, not something he had to really do. I mean, this isn't this this conflict doesn't have anything to do with the Narn people. It doesn't it doesn't resolve any of their issues with Centauri. Right. But he's there out of this sense of loyalty, of personal loyalty to the help that Sheridan and company have given to the Narn people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting you know, it's, that, that they, that they sort of are standing for what earth could be or should be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they're, when you say they stand, they're standing with earth, they're standing with Sheridan. Right. Against right. this other version of Earth that is a corrupt or debased version of what Earth could be, it's like it's like they're they're standing in a place of 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 of, of, of idealism, right? Which I kind of you know, like. They have the they have the 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 right definition of honor, yeah, and they're going to be on the right side because of of that definition. And it doesn't hurt that the Earth government has allied themselves with Centauri and Sheridan hasn't. Correct. So. You know, a, a sort of enemy of my enemy or ally of my enemy is my enemy kind of that's all tangled up. Yeah. Not I, worth no, unpacking, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, similarly, Delenn, you know, by accosting the Grey Council, <clears throat> you know, I, I think she's, you know, she's putting a lot of herself on the line. Yeah. Um you know, yeah. they, they could have turned her out and she could have burnt what few bridges she had left. Right. Uh, what little cachet she had left with the Grey Council. Right. Uh, but instead it pays off. She gets you know, half of them to come with her, um, which ends up really saving the day at the end. It's 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 Gandalf, you know, riding over the the hill at Helm's Deep. Yeah. We're just going to keep hammering the, the Lord of the Rings metaphors here. Yeah. Uh, analogies until yeah. the, until the end of the, uh, end of the episode. Yeah. But they seem to work, don't they? They do. Right. They do. Um, yeah. I thought that Delenn's speech to the Grey Council was one of the better speeches JMS has written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's because of Mira Furlan. 
Uh, yeah. She was turning it up to 11 this episode. That's definitely... She was... She was... She was there. She was delivered. on fuego. Yeah. yeah, she was. She was great. Um, you know, we've we've said all along that, in some respects, this is a Jakar and Londo show. And oh, the second the second point is mm-hmm. the aliens are often far more interesting than the humans. And mm-hmm. this is kind of a reminder. I don't. Know, it's, it feels like it's been a while since we've had <laughs> Delenn being uh, so watchable. You know, so yeah. interesting. You know, I I feel like since her metamorphosis, she's sort of had a crisis of confidence. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, where and, and and okay, this is this is maybe text and not subtext, but it's you know she hasn't really known what her place is or or been able to fit in. You know, she's easily thrown by the the questions of the um, the the ISN reporter. Right. Um, she's. You know, there was some other some other example pretty recently where someone challenges her and she just kind of like uh, and turns away. And oh, I guess it was when when Jakar was was asking about the the, the conspiracy. That's right. She kind of flees rather than than stand her ground and confront him. Right. Um, but I feel like it's it it's come to a head, and she knows that Sheridan and Babylon Five need her. Exactly. Exactly. And, and she so, rises to, to the occasion as she need, as she needs to. Yeah. She can't back down at this point. It'll it, it'll mean the end of of Babylon Five, and they'll drag Sheridan away in chains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I love all the business about prophecy. Mm. Um, I love the the sort of deployment of Mimbari history mm-hmm. in her speech. Mm-hmm. Right, you know that that th- this this was. This was foretold. This was foretold. This is what we're doing. This is foretold. You know, there's been a lot right. of there's been a lot of kind of religion and spirituality in this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, far more than I than I remember. And with the you know with the Mimbari history and spirituality and caste and purpose and identity. These things are all very interestingly amalgamated. Right. 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 So when right. Delenn goes in front of the Great Council, the transformed Delenn, who let's mm-hmm. not let's not forget, because she reminds us, I was the chosen successor. Mm-hmm. Right? I am not some third rate flunky who you can dismiss mm-hmm. right if I had not been called to a particular kind of action I would be with you right now in this chamber okay you will yeah. listen and she brings out all of this great Mimbari uh, kind mm-hmm. of kind of you know uh, lessons Right. Persuasive right. enough to bring, what, about half? Yeah. Now, we don't know what half, which I think is cool. Right. Right? We don't know I mean, what casts they represent. Yeah. But, you know, and, you know, suggesting that the Civil War, that that Earth is, is deeply ensconced in, and which the Centauri appear almost incapable of avoiding... 
and uh, you know, which doesn't really figure for the Narn, is going to be coming to the you know to the Membari in you know in in short order. You know, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be Membari? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be Narn? Right. And these are these are the questions that are that have been asked, but maybe not in as interesting a way as they're being asked right now. Right? Yeah. Now they're being asked in a way where, you know, stuff's getting real. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, and we get we get the good examples of at least the Narn and the Mimbari in this episode. And we'll see next week. I think we get a, some good examples of what it is to be Centauri. Quite. Um, and, and we're, you know, what does it mean to be human? Which is something that I wonder if a lot of science fiction doesn't explore enough, but just sort of takes it for granted. Well, when you think about the other, you know, the other, the other shows in the room. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is a space utopia. The, the, right. the, we don't need to talk about the perfection of humanity. We are perfected. Right. Right. Um, but it's interesting because I've been watching the original series a lot lately. Right. And, and I definitely noticed, particularly the front half, and this may just be the, the, the quirk of air dates as opposed to production order, but the, the first half of that first season, so much of it is about what it means to be human. And, and mm, I'm, I'm mm. now contradicting what I said just a couple minutes ago, but uh, it, it feels like a lot of it is, you know, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're the space utopia. We're always the ones who are right. And yeah. we're, <laughs> right. we're now, we're now pushing back against, you know, these other cultures with, different views max this is going to be a long afternoon <laughs> yeah well, well i mean look the, the to yeah. to your to your point you know some of the yeah. things that we criticized uh, mm-hmm. babylon 5 about in its first five six eight ten episodes is mm-hmm. okay like every other show it's getting its sea legs right yeah. and we would have wanted it to get them in slightly different ways that's why when we talked about the prestige formats we restructured the way that a lot of that story was presented mm-hmm. to try to tighten the impact of these questions. What does it mean to be human? Well, you, you understand that. You come to learn that from the way your human characters interact with each other. Okay. In, in Star Trek, um, you know, they, even, even 20 episodes in to season one, they still are struggling with, well, What's Starfleet? Is that even a word? When is the word mm-hmm. Federation, the United Federation of Planets, uttered for the first time? It's not in episode one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know, and, and and this kind of thing, right? You you don't have any of the instant. You don't know anything about the bigger universe, right? Because right. it, it's just wagon train from the stars, right? You don't need canon, right? To Babylon Five's great credit, it 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 provides a lot of that. But we're now very savvy viewers and we want more, you know, which, you know, is, uh, you know, maybe that's on us, you know. Yeah. Here's an interesting little counterpoint to this. And I'm sorry if, if I'm derailing us no, or no, we're taking no, no. us on a sidetrack here. But, you know, when you're, you're, you're talking about how much Delenn really 
brings in all the pieces of Mimbari culture into her argument for why the council, ne- why they need to help, why they need to break their isolationism. Yeah. Um, you know, but Sheridan, we don't, Sheridan doesn't do that. No, he does not. When he's, tr- when he's trying to talk down the captains of the other, of the other ships, you know, he, he just says, I mean, a couple of times he says, this is an unlawful, un- unconstitutional order. Right. You know, come on, you have to see that. Right. But, but there's nothing more there to back it up, which in some ways was disappointing because, you know, it, it's like, OK, he's he's not making enough of a convincing argument. So, you know, so, of course, it, it, we, we know that conv- his argument has to fail so we can have the big space battle. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah right, right. So in the, you have in persuaded the meta, me, Captain. Yes. In I the meta expediency down, right? <laughs> of the story, it's, you know, if we wanted something exciting in the third act, it's got to be, you know, then he, he can't get through to them. Um, but at the same time, it's also a good reflection of who John Sheridan is as a character. Right. You know, we've, we've, as we've beaten into the ground on this show, he is not a diplomat. That's right. But here's the thing. You want to talk, you want to convince them to, to surrender or or to turn themselves around. You get Ivanova on the horn or, or Delenn in this case and, and have them do the talking. Right. He's, he's going to, sure. He can, he can fire the main guns and, you know, deploy the, the you know sails and the you know set anchor to i don't know ship terms um <laughs> until the cows come home but he's not going to be able to talk somebody into something it doesn't appear doesn't appear it does it yeah no he can give a good inspirational speech you know with his with his uh um you know with his uh his tupac hologram machine right uh sort of broadcasting him everywhere right but we can't let them know that that we have that we have this other technology but we'll use this alien you know broadcast machine that seemed a little weird yeah right that's all right um uh, yeah yeah. i mean he gives a good speech but a good good sort of rally the troops kind of speech but he's not he's not a diplomat all right to 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 your point okay Mm Sheridan is first and foremost a man of the military, right? Yes. This is why he goes for that. Clearly, these are unlawful orders, right? He's trying mm-hmm. to talk to a military uh, um, you know, uh, he's, he's using the lingo. He's using yeah, he's that's talking, right. You know, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's using the he's lingo using of the military to, to talk to the military. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was what I had meant to say. Um, but Sheridan's demonstrated in the past that he has the capacity to talk about history and to talk about other, to come at questions from other perspectives. You know, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of season two, you know, his speech, you know, uh, you know, citing, uh, you know, ancient American presidents and this kind of thing, right? He's, he has, it's not like he has no capacity to do this. It's just that yeah. it's almost like in this crisis, he's gotten sort of bound up. He's kind of mm-hmm. forgotten a little bit about about who he is. Mm. And in some respects, Delenn is that is now carrying some of that, you know, some of that mantle. Um, right. But. But it, it's 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 like. He's forgotten aspects of himself that he could bring to bear against these mili- uh, you know against these military commanders but to your point all he seems to have is 
<laughs> Surely, you know, even Max the cat knows this is an unlawful order. On what, how can you possibly follow this guy? Oh, mm-hmm. well, okay, over the course of the last year, Clark has been moving people, shuffling, 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 mm-hmm. right? So that the people in command of these ships are the ones most likely to, uh, you know, to follow his orders because they are xenophobic or because they're, right. you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, party above country types. Yeah. You know. And those are not folks who are going to be dissuaded by simply saying, this is illegal. This is unconstitutional. You, right. You got to go for, if, if you, and I'm not even saying it's possible to argue them out of it, you know, other than through intimidation, as yeah. Delenn does. Yeah. But, but if you want to argue somebody out of that, you, you got to go deeper than just, this is unlawful because, because really it's like, no, you're the one who's being unlawful, you know, and it's just going to be, it's yeah. going to go back and forth yeah. like that. Now, a few episodes ago, we had Sheridan interact with Agamemnon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think, let's say we want to go a bit in the direction that you're talking about, Chris. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't bring in the, what is it, Agrippa mm-hmm. and the Roanoke. Okay, I bring in Agamemnon, and it's under the command of one of his former his uh, officers. Yeah, one of his officers, right? Yeah. Who can who can to his face make the argument that what in fact Captain Sheridan is doing is the illegal is the illegal act, right? Yeah. Um. I think if I'm going to have Agamemnon in this season in some way, I want it. I want it here, right? Okay, five it episodes. Makes, of, yeah, go. Yeah, it makes the decision to fire on on these ships all that much more difficult, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Like him not firing on an Earth Alliance ship four episodes ago, obviously, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't have to be his ship. Now. He right. has to fire on one of these ships. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to destroy Agamemnon, right? Yeah. I mean, you could finagle that in some way, that it doesn't destroy the ship. But he's got to let his flotilla attack his own crew. Yeah. That would have been something to watch it's him like struggle the, with. The stakes were raised too high at the wrong time. Correct. They were raised too early. Correct. Whereas it would have more punch if it were here. Also, it, w- it would make this episode a lot longer, having to have those kinds of deliberations. You know, if we're if we're looking at the meta form here yep. of of the show, you still got to squeeze it into forty two minutes. Yeah. So, do we have time for yet another round of crisis of of confidence? Yeah, maybe maybe it, I it move. Would be, it would be tough. Yeah, maybe I move the ISN segments to the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. they're getting signals in about what's going on back home now that, you know, these other colonies and Babylon 5 and Mars and everybody else is breaking away. And, yeah. And and it, it's it's really at that point that Clark starts losing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, it, it almost seemed like the, the crackdown came too early. Maybe. For me, um, I just was thinking this as I was watching. It's like, it's like these feel like, that feels like the kind of actions the the you know the the 
bombing civilians on Mars, the right. the basically assaulting the ISN uh, headquarters while they're on the air. Yep. You know, those are things that, that would come out of desperation. Those aren't opening moves. Yeah, they don't feel like opening moves, do they? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're there to show us how that the stakes are higher. Yeah. You know, again, again, we're 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 raising we're we're putting the the pressure onto Sheridan. Yeah. At that right at that point, but uh, it it might have been more interesting to see see some some after effects of the breakaway of the of the station, the colonies, Mars. Yeah. And now, you know, Clark is, is getting frustrated and lashing out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all of this is in the service of, of kind of riffing on what, you know, what else might have come out of these story threads. What, Mm -hmm. what JMS decided to do was worth the Hugo it got. Absolutely. I mean, it's dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, we're sitting here saying how things could have gone other ways. Maybe that meddling would have made it a, not as good an episode. We certainly don't have the years of of television ex- and storytelling experience that that JMS had at this point. Right. Uh, so right. You've got you've uh, you've you've got the sort of the Mimbari through line. Mm-hmm. You know, Delenn's story, Cracker Jack, all yeah. of the leadership decisions, all of the things that the command staff is doing. Awesome. A reminder of how important the Narn have become to Babylon 5, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as a sort of a reminder of its international status, right? Yep. Um, the, you know, the business with the non-aligned worlds kind of falling apart, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, yeah. if, if, if all they're doing is attacking each other, well, that's not much of a political alliance, Right. Right. You know, the, the non-aligned movement in the United States, in the United States, on Earth, <laughs> you know, uh, has always been about, you know, sort of defending each other, mm-hmm. you know, against, you know, either the, the, the uh, predations of the United States or the predations of the Soviet Union, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, the breaking down of that, of that block is... You know, is alarming because it speaks to the shadows moving towards, you know, their goal, right? Which, right. you know, out back to our alignment chart, still feels to me like it belongs in, in chaos. I apologize, dear listeners. <laughs> this cat He's is much this, more vocal. This, I, I, this cat I is in a because, bad way. Yeah, because we're recording in the middle of the day, which we don't usually do. Yeah, maybe. So I wonder if he's he's not, you know, usually he's he's napping. He also, you know, decided to, to throw up all over the rug in the middle of recording. So he's uh, he's definitely earning his keep today. Yeah. Well, there yeah. it is. Yeah, uh, terrific. Um, before we before we go, though. Yes. I, we have to I think we have to pour one out for General Haig. No kidding. You know, killed off screen. That's cold. Yeah. Now. I, did you I, read the reasoning I for did. it? I did. I went out to a uh, lurker's guide, right? It's yep. like, oh, you defect. You yeah. defected to Deep Space Nine. Robert Foxworth, you are dead to me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. That character was, I mean, it would be so easy to just say, oh, you know, he was on another ship. Yeah. But no. No, 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 no. 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 Uh, yeah. You come for the king, you best not miss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in fairness, JMS kind of has him dead on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, know? yeah. We're, we're getting, you know, we're getting one side of the story. We're getting from, you know, from the time that it happened, maybe things, you know, in retrospect, blah, 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 you know, both good people on both sides. Um, so maybe it didn't quite unfold that way, but it sure sounds like it was uh, a nasty move, whether whether uh, Foxworth knew what he was doing or if it was just sort of, you know, some unscrupulous casting director over at Paramount was like, hey, why don't you come over here on Tuesday instead of going over to that lot? Yeah, well, you know, in in uh, in all, you know, in, in in all due deference to your point, Robert Foxworth is an actor, right? right? I'm going to take whatever gig I can take, right? Yeah. You're offering me one episode. Your competition's offering me two. Mm. I'm done. And on a on a yeah, I mean, Babylon Five at this point, two and a half seasons in, is a solid thing. But it's we're we're still are we're still on P ten at this point. Yep. I don't think we've moved to uh, to to UPN or whatever other network came along. Um, so eh, if I'm going to look for something that's that's you know possibly more secure, maybe better paying. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, right? Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still yeah cold cold cold. <laughs> uh, too much too bad because you know Robert. Robert Foxworth is so great. You know, yes. you, you can't you can't go wrong, you mm-hmm. know, with him. And he's really good in DS9. Yes, he is. Dear Lord. What on earth? I don't know what's good into this cat today. <laughs> <laughs> None of this episode is usable. We can't release this. <laughs> We've released worse. Uh We've had, yeah, but never this much cat. Yes, there's a lot of cat content here yeah. today. Um, folks, we, um, we trust that, uh, that your perspective on this episode is, you know, is, is, is much the same as ours. Uh, this is the sort of episode that's, that, that survives intact a, um, not a culling, but a, um, a you know, a, a prestiging. Yes, yes. Right? Um, and I think when we get to, uh, you know, our conversation about Ceremonies of Light and Dark, we have, you know, we really have reached a kind of high watermark, you know, in the way that the story is being developed and designed. Mm-hmm. So, so next week, absolutely, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, engage in some Ceremonies of Light and Dark, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the some of the downstream consequences of what happened in this episode, Severed Dreams, um, because I have some questions that an otaku-obsessed, details-oriented, <laughs> sci-fi nerd, I want some answers, and we're not getting them. We're not going to get them, but I want them. So, yeah. yeah. All okay, right. Chris and Max. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you week, next John. time. Cheers. Of course, I'm squeezing him now, trying to get a meow out of him, and it won't happen. Blessed cat. <laughs>